if you're watching the video today, you can see the beautiful poster for our drag show. So if you're looking for something to do October 28th, you should come hang out with us. Uh, this is Queer Halftime. My name is Becca. I use she, they pronouns. I'm, I'm here with Paige. Hello, I'm Paige. As you know, I use they, them pronouns. As you know, I love it. It's like yes. we've got a solid audience. <laughs> it's a repertoire of people now. Every yeah. time. <laughs> Coming at you today with the trans nails. Nice. <laughs> Had to nice. throw it out there. Very nice. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, so Paige is a true bonafide ex-Mormon as we've mentioned in a previous episode. And we thought we would talk about that because there's a lot of stuff with that kind of thing with like gender and sex and all kinds of fun stuff. So I'm going to kind of kick it over to Paige for this one. Yeah. So I was raised Mormon. Um, Growing up, it was my mom, my little brother and myself. Um, My dad was in our household as well, but he wasn't an active member. Um, and then we were also a foster family growing up. So I was a biological kid in the foster family. So we had a lot of kids coming and going throughout our home. Um, a lot of whom would join us in going to church. Um, and I was Mormon until I was 16, which is when my parents got divorced and I moved out with my dad because he wasn't a member. And I was like, this is my way out. Um, so I was Mormon for 16 years and I actually just this past year officially had my name expunged from all church records. Um, So that was a very exciting moment for me to finally get that letter of confirmation in the mail that I am no longer considered Mormon. I'm still technically baptized Mormon, um, but I am no longer on their church records, which is very exciting for me. Um, So I'm trying to kind of figure out where to start. So like you were saying um, with church on Sundays, like I remember when I went to church, it was like, (laughs) you know, you do like Sunday school and then they might bring like everybody together for like a thing or like communion or whatever. But yeah. it was usually like hour, probably maybe right. an hour and a half. I don't totally remember. I was like, you know, young, young enough awesome. to not remember. Yeah. Um, but you said it was three hours. And at one point they yes. split you into like boys and girls. Yes. So the first hour of church is called sacrament meeting where you take the sacrament. Uh, you listen to the bishop and the bishop Rick uh, talk. And then they have usually like one or two speakers during that uh, meeting as well. Okay. Um, and then during the second hour, you're broken up kind of by age group. So um, like adults who are married is one age group. Adults who are single is one age group. They usually have a young single adults ward specifically for young singles so that they can meet each other and get married. Um, And then there was also a segment for like youth as like you were broken up. I think it was like every two years. So like 16 to 18, 14 to 16, 12 to 14, and like 10 to 12. And before that you went to primary school. Um, I'll talk mostly about um, the youth group that I was in. Um, so it was boys and girls of a certain age. I think say for example, I'm 12 years old. So it's 12 to 14 year olds. Um, and you have an hour of independent Bible study with a church leader. Um, and you just kind of like, you learn stuff about the Bible, you learn stuff about the church. It's just an hour of learning. And then for the last hour of church, it is, split up into boys and girls and age groups. So it would be like 
12 to 14 year olds and then 14 to 16 and then 16 to 18. And it would be either young women's or young men's. Um, and so it was very enforced from a very young age, the gender norms that come with Mormonism. Um, and just the duration of church in and of itself was quite intense. Um, after the age of 16, you have to go to something called seminary. So that's Bible study in the morning, every weekday morning before church. So that is an extra commitment. And then there's also weekly young men's and young women's groups every Wednesday night. So you so, are like, say you have school at, you know, eight o'clock, you have to get up even earlier to go to yeah, seminary. You go to seminary at seven. And then say Wednesdays, you could do like seminary and then school and then. And oh then young gosh. men's or young women's. So the only day I didn't go to church or, well, no, the only day I didn't go to church was Saturday. Huh. Um, and we would still like pray two to three times a day, bless our meals and that kind of thing and read our Bibles in the morning and say our prayers before bed and, you know, all of that kind of Whoa. typical uh, Christianity sort of deal, but a yeah. little bit kind it, of like up, up a notch. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just turn the volume button up a little bit and then you hit Mormonism. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Did you guys have like little kids versions of Bibles. So like, I remember when I was a kid, my auntie who was a United minister yes. got me like a kid's Bible. So there were like pictures and like each of the stories was like a different chapter. And so it was more, so like kids could follow. It was like more normal language. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't like the, the Bible. It yeah. was like, what's the right word for it? It was kind of like, it's like this simplified. Yeah. It's like, this is the story of Noah's Ark. Here's pictures of animals. Exactly. Like, so yeah. we, we had stuff like that, but we didn't use it in church. Yeah. Um, so like your parents, for example, would buy the kid's Bible and read you like stories from the kid's Bible before bed when like you were too young that to was, understand yeah. the Bible. Um, but during like primary school, which is what you went to when you were like five to 12 or something like that okay. um they actually use the real bible okay cool yeah so independently you could use the simplified version but in that actual church settings it was all hardcore. like the actual hardcore bible yeah. yeah so obviously you don't really know what went on in the young men's group but like what happens like when you go to to young women yeah okay yeah so this is a fun one <laughs> Um, so young women's during, um, Sunday school. So on Sundays, that's obvious, um, <laughs> during Sunday school, you would break up into young women's and young women's in Sunday school was usually just learning things about the Bible. Um, and it was primarily focused on like women's gender roles and that kind of thing. Um, it's very exemplified within the bible that women are meant for very specific things um so and like very traditional kind of roles absolutely like, yeah, yeah women do the cooking and the cleaning and the housekeeping and like the women are the caretakers of the house and then the fathers are the owners of the house you know yeah. like they have control over everything they take charge over everything yeah. they um they're the yeah. head of the family. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very patriarchal. Um, so during Sunday school, young women's, it was primarily just like learning about the Bible and that kind of thing. Cause that was just three straight hours of Bible study basically. Um, but our Wednesday night groups were all kinds of things. So they would range from like us making cookies and going, uh, pixieing, which was like ding dong ditching, but like you would leave cookies at their doorstep um 
So that happened a lot. That sounds kind of fun. It, it, it was actually. It's like Ding Dong Dish with like a positive twist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so that part of it was kind of fun. But then it was a lot of like learning how to cook and learning how to do laundry and learning how to take care of a house. Um, none of like financial information, by the yeah, way. Yeah. It was just all strict gender roles. Um, well, it's tough because like those are important things to learn, but they're important for everyone to learn. Exactly. It's not just the women who need to learn how yeah. to do that. Yeah. Like yeah. I did not learn how to cook and now I have to text my mom every once in a while or my dad and be like, how did you, you know, this you thing you this? used to make, what was the recipe? Like, yeah. Hey, this I'll send, like, I sent a picture of like a thing of ground meat to my mom. And I was like, is this still okay? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, it's just been exposed to air in the freezer. It's fine. Just yeah, <laughs> like, cook it. It's yeah. fine. It's okay. Like, but like, I didn't learn these things. And these are good things to learn. Exactly. They're good things to learn, but there was also a lot of good things to learn that we missed out on because yeah, of see, the gender the problem, right? It's like you only learn half of the good things. Exactly. Yeah. But, and I, I can attest to what went down in like the young men's groups. Um, but like, it was all about holding the priesthood and how to be in charge of your home, basically. Interesting. Um, and so, like I said, I don't really know exactly what the young men learned. I don't know what they could have learned that the young women didn't learn. Um, but clearly none of it was household related (laughs) in any sense of the term. Yeah. I can't imagine. Like, I remember living with like young guys in university and like they hadn't been Mormon but like living with someone who was never taught how to clean something yeah it's like it's very difficult well and even so after you turn 18 um in the Mormon church you instead of going to the regular ward that you would go to with your family because the wards are broken up into like subdivisions of the city so like Bonnie Doon goes to a church and White Ave goes to a church and like there's different churches depending on where you live really so wherever you live dictates which church which Mormon church you go to yeah oh so I thought there was just one but no there there's a ton in the city I think I passed like three just on my bus ride here in the morning (laughs) wow yeah I yeah um So up until you're 18, you go to the regular church with your family, wherever you live. But then after 18, you go to a YSA ward, which is, it stands for young single adults. Um, And you basically get shipped off there because the men go on missions when they're 18 or 19. I want to say 18 and they go for three years and then the women can go on missions. It's required for the men to, but it's not required for the women to. Okay. But if the women want to, they go when they're 19 and they go for two years. Oh, okay. Um, so the YSA ward is like a bunch of people pre-mission and a bunch of people post-mission. And it's literally designed to set you up with someone that you find and marry and have kids and a family with. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, it's enforced from a very young age. Like as soon as yeah. you turn 18 you go to that ward and either you find somebody to marry or you go on a mission. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What is like the wildest statement or like thing that you learned about gender? It's like, that's a really good question. Um, I don't actually know. Interesting. Yeah. Like what did they have to say about like menstruation and things like that? 
So <laughs> this is a fun one. Um, <laughs> okay. As I feel like I'm replying that to every single question you have. I love me. it. <laughs> um, so we weren't allowed to go to the school offered sex ed. Um, yeah, makes sense because of how taboo it was in the Mormon church. Um, you know, like you're not supposed to know about sex. You're not supposed to have sex till you're married. Mar- uh, sex is like a very sacred and holy thing um, in the church. And so, yeah, we as kids weren't allowed to go to the sex ed that like junior highs and high schools offered. Um, and I didn't learn how to use a tampon until I was 18 because of how taboo menstrual products were. Wow. Yeah. They were like, nothing goes up there. Nothing comes out of there. Like, nope. It's yeah. It was very interesting. Um, I don't know if all Mormons have had that experience, but I yeah, didn't sure. learn about menstrual products at all. And like, my mom was very uncomfortable with kind of talking oh about gosh. it. Um, and it also with living with my dad, since I was 16, I obviously didn't talk to my dad a lot about my period. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a very interesting thing. Um, just like not knowing and like feeling like you have things that are forbidden from entering your body, you know, like that's just a hygiene product. Was there any kind of sex ed at all? No. Okay. No, I did not learn any sex ed until like the second year of high school because that's when I left the like that's but the time that I had left the church um so I left the church halfway through 10th grade but I don't know why sex ed wasn't offered in the second semester of school so I took it the first semester of the next year and it was it like blew my fucking mind I was like I don't know any of this (laughs) had you known like where babies come from yes okay yeah but I so I knew that like a man and a woman had sex, but I didn't know what sex was. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was like, I know that like, oh, like I have a percentage a of baby. It. I don't know how the baby gets there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So that was very interesting. And even to just like not learn that stuff, having left when I did, I often wonder like, when do people learn that thing? You know, like, is it part of the marriage ceremony? Is it part of uh, being in the YSA ward that I mentioned? Like, where do people learn about how to have babies? Because you were put in that YSA ward to meet somebody and to start having kids. Yeah. Like, my, um, my dad's side of the family, his mom had six kids. So I have three aunts and two uncles and my dad. Wow. And so we were the first family that like didn't have a bajillion kids because my mom had conception issues. Um, so it's just me and my little brother. Um, and it sometimes honestly felt like we were ostracized just for that. Oh, wow. um, the fact that our family was so small, even though we had the foster kids with us, like we, from the time I was like two until the time I was 16, we had at least one foster kid with as many as five foster kids. Oh, wow. yeah. So like, we didn't have a traditionally big family, but we still had a big family when we had a lot of kids in our house. Yeah. So were there like, is there like a minimum number of kids that people should like? <laughs> no, there's, there's like, no are there minimum. like, we there's want no, you to like, have at least five kids. There's like, no suggestion or anything like that. Um, but I feel like it kind of predates to the time where like Joseph Smith had multiple wives and yeah. like child okay. brides and that kind of thing. 
Um, so like modern day Mormonism for what it is, like the Latter-day Saint Mormons um, don't believe in polyamory. So like you only, you are only married to one person. Um, but there are some other, I don't know exactly what they are because so they're not Mormons. But well, so they're the like polygamist ones. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like Mormonism and then like so many religions, there's like a fundamentalist right. crew. Yes. That like made a lot of news, I think in the early 2000s. Oh, okay. Um, what was going on in their like little town that they had. Right. Um, at least the ones in the States. But yes, there's like fundamentalist ones where it's like we go back to the OG like kind of stuff the og bible stuff yeah so that's when you hear about like the, the fundamentalist several wives it's the it's the fundies yes yeah so we weren't the fundies no. uh we were just the the reggies i don't know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it was very interesting um also one thing that happened after you turned 16 was you were able to visit the mormon temple um oh that's where I was getting confused because my cousin always talks about going to the Edmonton temple oh okay yeah so that we only have one temple in Edmonton but there's multiple church branches in Edmonton um yeah so that's probably where the confusion lies oh okay yeah it was all the temple no no it's there's one temple and then there's like a bajillion churches okay like I said I passed three on my bus right here in the morning (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so you're able to go to the temple um, you're not allowed to observe like the room where marriages go on. You're not allowed to do anything except to go and do baptisms for the dead, which we were talking about the other yeah. day. Um, and so we were coming home from Barhead on Sunday and I don't know what led to the conversation, but you had asked me, um, what happens to, oh, yeah, what happens to a baby if they die before they're baptized? Because in Mormon culture, you don't get baptized until you're eight. Right. Cause that's it. Cause in Christianity, they've changed the teaching now, okay. but it used to be that if a baby died before it was baptized, it went to purgatory. Oh, wow. So it was in limbo. Right. Um, which is why baptisms were done in like the first 40 days because they tried to like bang them out. Exactly. Um, get it over with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I was like, oh, age. Like that's, I wonder what. That's a late time. What, this, what happens yeah. prior to that if somebody passes? Yeah. Yeah. So after you're 16, you can do baptisms for the dead. Um, so you can get baptized on behalf of somebody who was in the Mormon church um, but died before they got a chance to be baptized. And this would range from children to spouses to elderly people. Like there was no age gap or like, 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 like converts. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, and every time you went, usually we would go like once every six months, but every time you went uh, from 16 to 18, you had to get a um, temporary temple recommend. Um, and so you had to sit down and talk with your Bishop about like sex and masturbation and drug use and like just everything that is very inappropriate for a 16 year old at the time girl to be talking to a 40 to 50 something year old man, um, about very personal and private things. Um, and it it was really traumatizing honestly because just like having those conversations those conversations weren't had with you anywhere outside of that room wow yeah 
And so I didn't really like acknowledge that it was really fucked up until I was like probably 22. And I was looking back at it and I was like, yeah, that was messed up. Like even when you get baptized, when you're eight, the bishop comes to your house and you have a full interview. I think it was like an hour long interview with the bishop um, just to see whether or not you qualify to, to get baptized. And again, it's, it's questions of like, have you sinned? Like, do you masturbate? Do you have sex? At eight years old. And at eight, like, do you even know what any of that is? Exactly. Like, yeah. It wasn't like customized to be kid friendly or anything like that. Like it was very blunt. Um, and yeah, it was it was something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, wow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's wild. Um, there's also something. So after you're 18, you can get like a longer temple recommend than six months. Um, but I guess between the ages of 16 to 18, like there's so many promiscuous situations you could be in. Um, so many, so much potential for sin. So every, so every time you go to the temple, you have to have that interview. Um, but then once you're an adult, I think it's like once every year or five years or some sort oh, okay. of interval. Um, and then I think it decreases as well once you're married. Um, but for, as far as like the marriage ceremony goes, um, it's completely taboo and nobody talks about it and nobody knows what actually happens unless you've been married in the Mormon church. Um, it's like against the rules to talk about it. It's against the rules to like tell your kids what happens in it, like anything like you, you can only talk about the marriage ceremony to other people who have been married in the Mormon church. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and so obviously no longer being a member, but like none of my immediate family is. So I left the church and then probably six to 12 months later, my little brother left the church. And then after that, my mom was just so ostracized by the church and the members that a, she had gone through a divorce and b neither of her kids were Mormon anymore. Um, and I was like 18 by this point. So I was like, I was getting tattoos. I was getting piercings. Like I was. I wouldn't say that I was like actively rebelling. I was just kind of like expressing myself in the way that I had wanted to for so long. But like um, even when something is so prescribed, even that small bit of expressing yourself is rebellion. Oh, totally. Like, Absolutely. It was actually really funny. <laughs> My mom and I went to a tattoo convention um, when I can't remember if it was when she was like fresh out of the church or just about to leave the church, but I convinced her to come to the tattoo convention with me. Um, and it took a lot of convincing, but I did it. And we were walking past a local tattoo artist's booth. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to check out some of their art. And my mom was like, okay, I'm going to go grab a drink. I'll meet you back here, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I was flipping through his stuff and I was like, hey, do you have time right now for a tattoo? And he was like, hell yeah, I do. It has to be something small, but hell yeah, I do. And I was like, okay, interesting. And I found this little design that's like this big. It's tiny, um, but it's a little heart with the word fuck in the middle. And so I was like, I'm going to get this tattooed while my mom was away getting a drink. Oh, um. And so she came back and I was laying on the bed. I got it on like my upper shoulder. Um, and my mom was like, what the fuck are you doing? 
<laughs> um, and because it's so small, you can't really read it very clearly. So it looks like it could either say tuck, puck, huck, or fuck. And so she couldn't really tell what it said initially. And then the artist was like, oh yeah, like, yeah, ah, it says fuck. Exactly. Yeah. Even now, like, it's just, it's faded and it was too small to have the wording yeah. in it. It just is one of those tattoos. Um, but she was she was shook and then not that long after she got her first tattoo <laughs> i'm just pictured now like a mormon at a tattoo convention because like i yeah. have got i got a tattoo on my hip at one. Oh, okay and so like for people who've never been it's like it's a bunch of booths set up and you can yeah. see you can walk by and see people getting tattooed anywhere so, like yeah, getting tattooed anywhere <laughs> exactly like there's not really privacy so like I like I didn't have my pants off or anything but like my shorts were high-waisted so they were unbuttoned and like the one side was kind of pulled down a little bit exactly so right accommodate the front the, of the hip yep yeah you know, the pelvis a little bit um and I'm just picturing like a more person walking by and seeing that and, right like, they would be like ah blasphemy yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the naked body what yeah exactly yeah um that's actually something else that I wanted to touch on today is so after the marriage ceremony which I won't delve into because I I don't have any information um I was never married in the Mormon church um so I don't know what happened in those ceremonies I'm sure you said that it's like it sounds like you were married somewhere else oh no I've never been married (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was never married at the Mormon church, but no, no, I was never married. Um, especially not in church. Um, but after you get married and like I said, I won't attest to what happens in the ceremony because I don't have that information. Yeah. Um, but after the ceremony, you have to wear sacred garments. Um, and they're basically clothing that goes on top of your underwear. Um, the top is like a t-shirt and the bottom are shorts down to your knees. Um, and after you're married, you're expected to wear those sacred garments every day underneath your clothing to maintain modesty. Um, and I found that really interesting too, because I didn't know about that as a kid, obviously. And one day my mom was like leaning over to pick something up or something. And I saw something white out the back of her, like her shirt rode up and I saw it and I was like, what's that mom? And she like pulled her shirt down immediately. She was like, nothing, don't worry about it. Ever supposed to see. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting. Like my dad was a member when my parents got married. Um, but I don't know how long it took for him to leave the church, but he left the church. I would say fairly quickly because I have no recollection of ever going to church with him. Um, the day that I told my dad I wanted to stop going to seminary was probably the best day of his life. Um, I don't think I've ever seen him happier than that moment when I was like, hey, we don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. so you can drive me to church so that I can do Bible study. And obviously he wasn't a member, so yeah. <laughs> he was very happy that day, as was I, because I didn't have to wake up at like four o'clock to get ready to go to church yeah. for seven o'clock in the morning. I can picture it being that thing of like, I would love for my loved one to stop doing this thing. Yeah. But I can't be the one to try to like, I can't sway them convince one way them or another. Or pressure them or like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it to was, come to it on their own. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was very interesting. He would like support. I don't know if he, if I would say he supported me going to seminary, but he drove me. Um, so <laughs> I mean, that's I guess that's a win. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Did 
both like men and women wear the undergarments yes okay yeah interesting yeah it was more I would say it was a bigger deal for the women because men I find at least in the church weren't wearing well obviously in the church weren't wearing like muscle shirts or stuff like that but even as a kid I didn't really see men wear revealing clothing um like I wasn't accustomed to seeing like men in crop tops like you would today and like men in tank tops or shorter shorts like it was it was very normal for me to see a man just like wearing shorts to their knees and a t-shirt so it was never an issue for my dad as to like whether or not somebody could see his sacred garments but for women um like there was a specific neckline there were like sleeves on it um it like mandated what you wore it couldn't be too low cut it couldn't show x amount of your shoulders you couldn't wear anything past your knees or like higher than your knees um and so it it felt almost like only women could be impure sometimes because there were so many more restrictions for women um but I mean there were also rules that like you couldn't even have caffeine so like I didn't eat a lot of chocolate as a kid because there's caffeine in chocolate I didn't drink tea I didn't start drinking coffee until I was 16 like there were a lot of really interesting rules (laughs) and did you start like questioning your gender like after you left or did you start did you have those feelings kind of while you were there so I feel like in regards to my gender, I've kind of always questioned it. Fair. Um, I owe a lot to my brother actually in this regard because I came out as non-binary when I was 25 um, and I left the church at 16. So that was like a solid nine year difference. Um, but after my brother came out of the like came out of the church and came out he likes to joke that he's been through every label in the book before he landed on what he is today. Um, and so I kind of owe a lot of my own gender identity to him because he did identify as non-binary for quite some time. Um, and just the way that he was accepted in his school and at home with mom, like with our mom, um, it was really kind of reaffirming for me to see. And so when he came out of non-binary, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I kind of like, I was playing around with it in my head, but never really, I, I don't, I feel like I don't know how to adequately answer this question because like, I felt like I wasn't really like meant to do the things that the women were supposed to do. Like this doesn't feel definitely. Well, and it didn't feel like me. And I was like, this doesn't seem fair. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, something is fucked up about the situation, but I don't exactly know what it is because I'm a child. Yeah. I don't have the context, but exactly. Well, and especially with not learning sex ed and stuff like that. Yeah. You didn't learn anything. And so a lot, like it was just, this is what you've been taught. This is how you live. This is what you live by. And you don't question it. You don't like do anything. (laughs) Do you, cause I knew a kid that was pulled from sex ed and um, a young girl. Mm -hmm. And so she didn't get to do any of the sex ed and her parents didn't talk to her about like menstruation or anything. So one day she just started bleeding and freaked out. Oh my God. Like, do they teach you about it before it's going to happen? 
my mom told me about okay. it before it was going to happen. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's kind of like approached differently in each family, I would imagine. Oh, um, but it's a familial conversation that you have regarding menstruation oh, as okay. opposed to like, uh, like a sex church ed class yeah. or a church class or like anything along those lines. Um, it's just left up to the, to the family to Interesting. figure it out basically. Yeah. Interesting. They're your kids. You deal with it sort of thing. <laughs> which was very hands-off considering it was the Mormon church. Yeah. So yeah, they were not hands-off with a lot of things. That's fair. I mean, yeah. are there certain things that are prescribed as like, this is a family conversation. This is, I mean, it's probably like, I feel like they probably have brochures about like, how do you talk to your child about whatever drugs or sex yeah. or masturbation or anything like that. Um, it wasn't really like anything that was set in stone that you had to talk to your kids about or folded tablets oh my god <laughs> sorry oh my god. I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> yeah no you I spent an entire year in seminary studying the golden tablets oh my god yeah wow yeah and I only went to seminary for two years um yeah it was it was very interesting and it was really bizarre as well when I stopped going to seminary my seminary teacher was like a 50 something year old, very French man. Um, and so I had some um, like language barriers and talking to him just because oh, he had okay. such a thick French accent. Yeah. Um, and so there was a little bit of a language barrier there, but he called me every single day for three months trying to get me to come back to seminary and he would leave me a message every single day for three months and I mean I'm not the kind of person who answers phone calls I don't know the number from um but I also recall when I was in high school um do you know how like there was that school zone thing in in school and like if you missed a class they called your parents and it was like this automated message oh did you have anything along those lines I don't remember that specifically. I know, like, the, I think it was usually the admin. Oh, call. Because okay, yeah. I went to smaller schools. Like, I think exactly two, like, a couple hundred kids. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Um, I think at one point it might have been automated, but. Right. Like. Yeah. Not, like, not until later if on. You, if you missed mass, they would call you in person. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then my mom always said I either had a dentist appointment or that I was allergic to incense. But either way, it was an excused absence. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so, like. When I went to school and I went to a big school, like my graduating class was like 800 kids. Yeah. Um, I was like, I think 150. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so they would call you every time you missed a class. So I was getting calls from my I seminary see, teacher every I day. I didn't miss classes. I skipped school <laughs> so much. Okay. I was such a burnout in high school. I think I skipped the last week of grade 12 and that was the only thing other than math that I had ever skipped I so what I did when I was in grade 12 I skipped the last six months and I made an arrangement with my teachers that I would do one project a month for them and then whatever I got on the diploma they could just give me as my final grade and they were all like haha fuck you okay let's see this um because I was working a couple of jobs to like help with the bills and stuff like that because my dad was a student when I was living with him Um, so I had a couple of jobs and school and a lot of my jobs, I just like, I couldn't attend school because I had to work. Um, that seems illegal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It it, it was, it was something, um, everywhere I worked thought I graduated early or something like that. 
remember, did you, you didn't grow up in Alberta, did you? I did. Or you did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised in Edmonton. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause there's definitely laws about what hours high school kids can work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of it. I had like one official job and then like a couple oh, under the table okay. jobs. Yeah. So like okay. it, yeah, it was interesting. We don't need to get into that. That's, that's totally fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was getting calls from my seminary teacher every day and from my high school every day because they would call your parents' cell phone or like whatever number was on or the landline. So we didn't have a landline because we moved around so much. That's fair. Um, like we moved once every month for like a year. Yeah, it was a lot of moving. Wow. Yeah, I lived out of boxes for a lot of high school. Wow. Um, and I, because we moved so much, we didn't have a landline. Yeah. And so every time I had to go and update the address, they would be like, oh, and what's the cell phone number? And I would give my dad's cell phone number for probably like the first week of high school. And I missed a lot of class the first week of high school too. Um, high school and smoking weed and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, and so I had the idea to change my phone number to my cell phone number. So I would get calls from my seminary teacher and from school wow. always like, Hey, you missed this or what are you doing? How are you? And just like all of the phone calls. Um, but yeah, my seminary teacher was like on my ass about coming back to seminary for a very long time. Yeah. And I back then didn't know how to block numbers. You couldn't just like Google stuff like that back yeah. in those days. When I feel like it was like, oh, this is a first step of this person stepping away from the church. Exactly. So like, it makes sense. They're going to lose their minds. Like, yeah. And they did. Yeah. It was, it was very intense. And then I stopped going to church and then I stopped going to the youth dances actually. So youth dances are something else that I wanted to touch okay. on. So I think it's every other Friday night, there's a youth dance at That's like so one of the different Mormon churches. And it was like a way to, it was either once every two weeks or like every week. I don't remember. That's so many. Oh yeah. So like literally at church every single day, except for Friday um, or Saturday, I mean, sorry. Um, <laughs> so the Mormon dances were like supposed to be this thing to encourage um kids to do like wholesome things on Friday nights instead of like go out drinking or going out and doing drugs and like all of the kind of things that teenagers are exposed to. Um, and I recall I got my nose pierced, um, long story short, it was after my Nana had passed away. Um, and she always had her nose pierced. She had her nose pierced for the longest time. And she was like my number one idol, um today is actually the 14 year anniversary of her death oh yeah shout so out shout out nana um and so when I was 16 I convinced my parents to let me get my nose pierced because my nana had passed when I was 12 um and my mom was like all for it right away and it was weird because my dad wasn't necessarily for or against it, but I didn't really understand why he would be so against it, like not being a member of the church. Yeah. Um, so it took some convincing on his end, but finally they let me get my nose pierced. And I went to the church dance that week and I had a nose piercing and there was this terrible woman who was just like notorious for being so mean to the youth who were going to the dances and stuff like that. But she was like, what is that? And I was like, it's a nose piercing. I was a very timid teenager. Um, and they like made the 
biggest deal out of it. Um, like they wouldn't let me in the dance. They oh wouldn't let me go. Gosh. They wouldn't let me use the phone to call home so that I could get picked up. I just like sat in the kind of like sitting area of the church. Cause it like, there wasn't like a reception area, but it, like the church I went to, you walked in and there were like couches on either side. And then there was a gymnasium in front of you. And then like the chapel oh, okay. to your left. And yeah. then like all of the school rooms yeah. to your right. Um, and so they just made me sit there for the duration of the dance with my nose piercing and not letting me in. And Were they hoping yeah. that you would like take it out if yeah. you had to sit there long enough? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Basically, that was the idea, I think. Um, her name was Kate. Fuck you, Kate, if you're watching. Um, <laughs> I guarantee she's not. <laughs> Maybe we'll tag her specifically. Yeah, right. When the episode comes out. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was like very bizarre. I ended up taking it out for a job. Um, anyways, but since then have re-pierced both sides of my nostrils. Um, but yeah, it was just it was so bizarre. They were so on my ass. And like ever since then, even after I like removed my nose piercing, they were still like terrible to me. Oh What's well, yeah. about control, right? One hundred percent. If this person does anything that questions our control, we have to clamp down. Exactly. Well, and usually that kind of like clampy downiness would come from like your bishop or the bishopric and not just from like some random volunteer mom who is she was just mean. Yeah. She was just mean and bitter and did not like me. Um yeah. Well, I love those people that like clearly have no power in their life. So the second they get any like modicum of power, they become a nightmare. She sounds like that. That, that is exactly like to a T that was. Yeah. That was Kate. Yep. I remember her name to this day. She haunts my dreams. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, but I also remember when I was. Did they do like a leave room for Jesus kind of thing when you were dancing? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't even like you have to have a Bible's room between you two. Like you have to have like arms. Oh yeah, no. yeah. 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 There was the awkward stiff arm thing that 12 year olds do. Yeah. That was the entirety of youth dances that like literally went up until the time you were 18. Like how people, it blows my mind. Um, but yeah, I, I had this one guy friend that I was really close with, um, who like fake proposed to me during one of the dances um I think I was like 15 or something like that um and it was so cringy like everyone around me was like oh my god it's so cute this is adorable and like all of the volunteer parents that were there were like oh my god this is so cute and like I you was, two were just joking around and then totally oh but like people like shipped us for like years after that like <laughs> to this day I get messages like hey have you talked to Jackson recently and I'm like what the f- no <laughs> oh my gosh um yeah and I had another really close friend of mine uh his name was Davis and we like just basically grew up together. We lived really close together. We went to junior high together. Um, so we were really close. And then when I left the church, he was like devastated when I left the church. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I called myself a bigger person. And like, before you go on your mission, you give like a farewell speech. Um, and so I went to church that day that he gave his farewell speech, despite like not having yeah. been a Mormon for a number of years and having like multiple tattoos and piercings at this point 
I went with my mom and neither of us remembers. And we were like, ah, we're going to burn up when we go in there. Um, we didn't obviously, but it was a, it was a valid fear, but it was like, if looks could kill kind of thing. Seriously. We walked in and like every single head in that room turned and they were like, it, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Um, so I went to his farewell speech and then probably like three or four months into his mission, he wrote me a letter. Um, and I wish that I had known we were doing this today because I totally would have brought that letter because I still fucking have it. Oh my gosh. Um, and it was basically just like him pouring his heart out and saying that like he wanted to come home and marry me oh, and he no. was so upset that I wasn't a part of the church anymore and how I was his best friend and how like I was the one he was supposed to spend the rest of his life with and I was like dude you're having like an existential crisis on a mission trip like I can't help you um and I had moved like three times since he went on his mission and he somehow still found my address which was really creepy oh my gosh. yeah um I don't know if like the church just kept tabs on me and he like called I have no idea how he found out my address but he found my address somewhere um and probably for like six months he was like steady stream of writing me letters oh on his mission and like they were confessing his love to me and I was like you were a really good friend, but I don't see you as many, any more than a friend. Also, I'm not Mormon and like you would be. And I ain't coming back. Yeah. You're not going to change that. Like yeah. nothing is going to change the fact that I'm not a Mormon anymore. Um, yeah, it was, I, it was like the last thing that I was expecting from somebody on a mission. Take it, him, my dude. Yeah, seriously. I think I wrote him back once and I was like, so happy to hear you're doing well um please stop literally I didn't say that but in my head I was like I'm writing this as like very passive aggressive as I can so that he like gets the hint I love that it was a handwritten letter too yeah that's wild yeah well back then like laptops were a thing but they weren't like a big thing like everybody has a laptop nowadays you would have been what 19 yeah 18 or 19 so like well I guess six years ago that was not that was eight years ago. Still, I hope. <laughs> okay, well, I don't think no. It's because he was on his mission, and they're not allowed to have technology. That's fair. Okay, that yeah, makes, yeah. That's that's the it's reason just so behind much more it. Effort. Exactly. Yeah. So, like six months worth of handwritten letters that I could have brought today. Um, oh, <laughs> maybe we'll post it with a quote from one of them. <laughs> Seems like a breach of privacy. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> oh Um, poor guy yeah there was there was a lot I remember one day as well we were having like a movie day at my house we were like binge watching the Harry Potter movies and this was like eight nine years ago um and this guy Jackson that he and I had a thing um everybody was like sitting like scattered around the room or whatever because like my dad was very into video games so we had a very nice like setup we had like a like a hundred and something inch like projector screen and like projector and like seven foot tall speakers so like my house was a place to go to watch movies um so we were binge watching the harry potter movies and it was like a two-day affair and there was one point where like jackson was sitting in one of the recliner chairs and i didn't have anywhere to sit so he was like come sit with me and so i sat in his lap and that's a no-no yeah i got in shit 
Um, so one of my friends who was there, um, his dad was the bishop. Oh no. Yeah. Rat. So he went home that night and told his dad that I was sitting in Jackson's lap and I got pulled into the bishop's office because it was a Saturday. So the next day before, um, like we went to our youth groups for service, um, I was called into the principal's office and I was like, what the f-? like, I had no idea what I had done wrong. Um, and he was like, I heard you sat in so-and-so's lap last night. And I was like, what? I was like, yeah, I sat with Jackson. And they were like, that's completely inappropriate. And I got like a talking to and and nobody like would tell me why because we didn't have that like sex education yeah so I was like why is it such a big deal that I'm sitting in his lap I don't understand yeah um and so that was kind of like when it was first explained to me about like how that could potentially arouse a male and that wasn't (sighs) permitted and like it was a woman's job to keep the man um moral and like virtuous basically um so like the women couldn't tempt the men and I was tempting the men by sitting in his lap so I got very reprimanded for that yeah so many thoughts there were a lot of really interesting things that that happened that whole it's her job to keep him moral thing sums up so many problems in our society right like (laughs) so many um Oh, there's one thing that I feel like I want to add, but I don't know if I should add. Go for it. So I'm going to add it. And if it's too much, we'll edit it out. Yeah. Um, but so as I mentioned, um, the every time you went to the temple and went baptisms for the dead as a youth, um, you would have to have like an individual one-on-one meeting with your bishop. Um, again, asking about like sex and masturbation and like how yeah. like clean you were basically um I'm so apprehensive right now I'm like what's gonna follow yeah right (laughs) you're like on the edge of your seat Um, so bad and so they always had those interviews and there was a time I was 16 which is the age that I lost my virginity um and I had pretty much stopped going to church um I went to seminary every here and there and when I spent like weekends with my mom I would go to church with them Um, but there was a temple trip, um, that was scheduled for like a month after I lost my virginity or something like that. And so I went and I sat down with the Bishop and he was asking me all these questions and I just like completely lied about all of it. And they let me go to the temple and do all of the baptisms for the dead. And like, when you went and did baptisms for the dead, you were getting baptized, like 20 to 35 times see that was one of my questions is did you just like rapid fire yeah like you you wore all white there was a change in between no okay no you just in the temple there was like a specific room for the baptism so they had like a big baptismal font um and so you would just go in and somebody who had the priesthood whether it was like a member of the bishop rick or the bishop or like one of the youth because after 16 the young men can get the priesthood in the Mormon oh. church. Um, so sometimes it would be like one of your friends or it would be like the bishopric. But yeah, like you would just get baptized. They would use the same script and they would just change the name. And it was like, bam, 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 bam. Um, Full body. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Full body submersion. So you like, you held onto their so arm. And waterboarded had... for an afternoon. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it weighs on my consciousness to this day that I did those baptisms for the dead, having lied about my virginity status. So now those people are in hell because of you, Paige. Exactly. I feel terrible. Um, <laughs> but no, like it took me so long to get over that. Honestly, okay. I was just like, I'm such a bad person. <laughs> and now I'm like, like baptism. Who has even heard of baptisms for the dead? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, that weighed very heavily on my conscience for a very long time, but oh I, I've recovered since. <laughs> yeah so growing up Mormon was it was something else and it was interesting too like the time that I left just like the point of my life that I was at given that I was 16 um it was like halfway through grade 10 I was experiencing all these new things like I was in high school I wasn't Mormon anymore I was smoking weed I was drinking I was skipping classes being a bad kid exactly and I was just doing whatever I felt like because I hadn't been able to do that all of my life and so I was like I'm just gonna do whatever I feel like right like I remember when I first went to university yeah there were because there was frosh week right so it's like a week of just like right you go to class and then you party all night and then you go to class it was I don't know how I did it fair <laughs> 28 year old me would die right you look back on things you did as a like younger person and you're like well, how I also did so and I I had my glasses broken like my second night there by a body like a crowd surfer oh my god I got kicked in the face when the guy in front of me dropped him no um, yeah and so my glasses were broken so like I got up I put in my contacts at like 7 30 because I class at eight and then I would be wearing them until like three in the morning oh my god yeah, it wasn't Brutal. great. But the actual story that I was going to tell on this yeah. is the people who had been super sheltered yeah, and who hadn't been allowed to drink, hadn't been allowed to do anything. Like it was this huge, like it was like release valve and they went nuts and a bunch of them ended up in the hospital for alcohol poisoning. Oh, wow. And then you had the kids who had been allowed to, you know, go to parties. They knew about their limits. They knew how to be safe, all that. Totally. And they were fine. Exactly. Right. And I was like, really thankful for my parents that they had let me right you know. exactly well and one thing if I ever have kids and that's like very heavy on the if um Fair. I want to be the one that like they experience all of those things with for the first time what's the thing like so the first family. time they drink yeah. I want it to be with me the first time they smoke weed I want it to be with me because like for our family it's cousins because uh, you don't yes, want to do course. that with your parents but your cousins will look after you and I don't think I'm gonna have like nieces or nephews That's or fair. anything like That's that fair. um because I only have one brother yeah um so I don't anticipate like being that person or like having those relationships in like future generations if That's they fair. exist yeah um but like even smoking and drinking like with my dad when I was younger like he would let me try sips of his rum and like all of that kind of stuff not when I was younger this was like after I had left the church yeah um but like he would let me try a little bit um I remember there was one year we were at folk fest um and I think I was either 17 or 18 it's the only year I've ever gone to folk fest and my dad busted out like a tobacco pipe oh wow yeah and he was just like sitting there smoking his tobacco and I was like dad what the fuck are you doing I was like you're not a smoker 
And he was like, don't tell your mom. And I'm like, you guys are divorced. <laughs> Why would it okay. matter? But he was just like, so one of the, like proud of himself for having this little tobacco fight. It was so cute. One of the fun things about having divorced parents though, is all of the don't tell your dads, don't tell your moms. Yeah. You can now say with zero repercussions and then get to see their face. Exactly. Exactly. And like some um, of them they already knew and had figured out. Well, and even like my first tattoo, I got my first tattoo when I was 17 Yeah. Um, with my dad's permission. And when I was 17, my mom was still Mormon. So I was like, Hey mom, can I get a tattoo? And she was like, fuck no and so I was like hey dad can I get a tattoo and he was like hell yeah um (laughs) so my parents split after I was 18 so I didn't get to have those but yeah yeah. fair enough yeah it's it's always interesting when your parents split up right exactly take take that opportunity if you have it maybe (laughs) not I that's the only tattoo I have that I regret and I have a couple of tattoos um so don't get tattooed if you're not over 18. Don't get tattooed if unless like you actually know what you want. So and that's <laughs> the thing, right? But it's going to be expensive. And like so many of our kids who come here will tell me about getting, they want to get like a new piercing or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, I could get this thing off Amazon. And I'm like, no, no do not. <laughs> to our watchers and listeners, do not do that shit. Go to reputable tattoo and piercing places because they exist together and they exist together for a freaking reason it will heal better it will be less painful it will look better it won't it won't you won't get it exactly even kids were like "Ooh, how did you do that to your ears um because i think i've stretched stretched ears i do have stretched ears yes sorry (laughs) um and like I was showing them how I could like fit my pinky finger through my ear hole. And they were like, mind blown. They were like, how did you do that? And I was like, well, first of all, it took me like three years. Um, Kelsey, I think was telling us last youth group that they did their ears over like the course of a night or two. And that's how I did mine the first time when I was 16. Kelsey did what you're absolutely not supposed to do. Yes. And now... There's this phenomenon with stretched ears of you can blow them out and like some of them, you know, yeah, break. Um, or if you take the plug out and just have it there, it looks like a cat's asshole. It does. It really does. <laughs> yeah. So I did that when I was 16. I went from like a standard piercing to a double zero, which I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. My ears bled for weeks. But I was like, I want this look. I want this aesthetic. So for those wondering, the lower the number, the bigger the piercing. Yes. And after double zero, it start, it stops being like a number. And it starts going to like intervals in like centimeter or millimeters. Um, yeah, it was huge. I think it took me like two or three days, but my ears bled for weeks. Yeah. And then like a year later, I was like, my ears are fucked I can't do this anymore yeah um so I took them out and then I started stretching them again when I was like 25 or no 24 20 23 or 24 um and now they're at the size that they're at which I don't know what size that they're at but they're big yeah (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so it was always that interesting way of just like how can I rebel and like how can I do things to express myself after I have left the church and that's our tangent on responsible body modification yes exactly listen to the professionals (laughs) (laughs) 
wait until you know what you want to get tattooed and don't go to shady places for piercings or tattoos. I, yeah, my, the first, the bottom three that I have in both lobes were all done. Two of them were at Claire's and one of them was like at a hairdresser's, but they were all with a little gun thing. Yeah, my first, like my initial lobe one. So uneven. They're so uneven and it drives me crazy. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, my, like my OG ear holes, I think I got when I was like, nine or ten because mormons are allowed to have one piercing and those are like the first yeah the first notch on your ears (laughs) yeah i think i got mine in grade four so i was like yeah nine exactly yeah Yeah. but yeah it was yeah i believe in piercing babies thank goodness for that (laughs) don't pierce your baby's ears yeah yeah um yeah is there anything else you wanted to add we no, kind of wrap I, up. I think I've pretty much covered everything, honestly. Did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask me? Um, not at the moment. Fair. I'm sure I will have more because more religion you. fascinates exactly. me. It and is, like, and it's a topic that we could probably talk about for hours on yeah, end. So, that's true. yeah. Um, do you have a queer joy? Hmm. Just put you on the spot now. Yeah. My queer joy is that I went on a very cute, very <gasps> queer, very gay date on Sunday evening, and it was marvelous. Um, we have a ship name for them. If <laughs> <laughs> from before they went on the date. <laughs> if you're watching this, you know who you are. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what about you, Becca? What's your queer joy? Um, it was my birthday. Hell yeah, was, that's a good queer yeah, joy. It was my birthday. Um, I got to eat a ton of sushi with my family. Um, and my mom got me a Switch. And now I've been playing Dreamlight Valley obsessively. Absolutely incredible. Um, and like, it's pre-release, so they still are coming up with content. So I'm almost at the point where I can't do anything until they update it. Oh no. But that's okay, because I bought like all the old, like you can play like right. 64 games on it. So I'm going to play awesome. the old Zelda's. Oh my but, god, yes. Yeah. So I have video games back in my life, but it's wonderful. Amazing. Yeah, so that's thank, so exciting. Thank you, mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout out back this mom. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's us for this week. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, be kind to yourself and others, and we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.